You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 132. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. Hey, moms. Are you trying to break into tech? Are you wondering what skills you really need to get hired and how those skills can be worth $45 an hour instead of the $25 an hour you thought when you first started thinking about going back to work? If so, then the Your Techie membership is for you. Our combination of courses, coaching, and community come with the mentor support you need to keep moving forward in your tech career. It's like no other membership program available. We have the exact skills employers are looking for. You'll learn how to maximize your income with portfolio-ready skills that hiring managers are seeking, not to mention the steps you can skip so you don't find yourself down that endless tech learning rabbit hole. Join me as I walk you step-by-step through the getting hired process in tech. Sign up at youartechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I can't wait to see you in our membership. Hello and welcome to the show. Today we're talking about manager as teacher. So I thought that this would be fun for a few different reasons. And let me tell you who the audience of this podcast is. And you're like, isn't it me? It is you. So a lot of my students, nearly all of my students are looking for a mentor. That's the way they describe it. They're looking for a mentor. So they come to our program. I'm a mentor. We have mentors who help guide them, but they want a mentor in their job. And this is an interesting dynamic because I think it's a very worthwhile thing to want. And I think there are a lot of managers out there who want to be mentors. But the reason we use the term mentor is managers can sometimes feel like they're someone who assigns you work, makes sure that you output enough work. They're not always someone who you think of as guiding your own personal growth and career growth. They don't always invest in you as a person. And the best ones, of course, do. But I think that's why I hear this term mentor. Now, here's the thing. I talk to people in my network, my friends and people in our partnership organizations who are looking to be mentors. They're looking to be great managers who help and guide people. So I think this is a natural, easy mix, but somehow finding that perfect fit is not always there. Okay. And one more thing, the Your Techie students, we've been doing this for a while, which is so cool. And I always talk about how great my students are, but, and they are, And so because of that, once they're no longer new, they, one of my students just emailed me. She got promoted to manager. Like, it's just so cool to see this. And so that is what is happening, that they've been in the workforce for a while. And honestly, some of them have previous careers where they enter at that level. So I want everyone, whether you're from a partner organization or you're student listening or you're an alum listening and you're the manager to understand the dynamic of what an entry-level person is looking for and then how to become that person. And those of you who are brand new to tech and listening to this, you can hear my thoughts on what 
a manager needs to be based on what my students are asking for. And so I love the title manager as teacher for a few reasons. Of course, I was a teacher. My parents were teachers. I'm surrounded by teachers. And then many of my students are attracted to me for that reason. So many of my students are teachers. And of course, we're moms, so our kids have teachers, right? And so I also feel like teacher mentality is in a lot of us. We think in that way. My husband makes fun of me because when I talk about a year, I mean the school year, not the calendar year. I'm like the beginning of the year, which of course is August, September, right? And so I just think it's a natural fit. And I'm going to make a few points here that are going to tie how to be a great manager by being more of a teacher and thinking more like a teacher. Okay, let's dive in. So great leaders make people better. I think that's an important starting concept. Great leaders make people better better. And I'm going to go into some action steps on how to do that. But if you think about your teachers, they were there to help make you better. They're there to educate you. If you aren't getting better, they're not doing their job. If you are looking to get better at something, you would find a teacher, right? So it's important that as a manager, If you want to be a great leader, you spend your time and your brain space thinking about how to make your team better and not just more effective from an output standpoint, but how to literally help them grow as human beings. Yes, it's a beautiful thing to do. It makes everyone feel better when you're doing that. But that is actually the right way to get effectiveness and efficiency out of your team is to help them grow individually and collectively. So here are some action steps on how to perform the role of manager as a teacher. The first one is to factually assess where they are. Okay, I love this one. And I just gave my dad principles from Ray Dalio. Amazing book. But if you're trying to get hired in tech, wait till you're hired. But it's very weighty. I love the way Ray talks about facts, though. And he's one of the most successful hedge fund managers of all time. I think he actually like beats Warren Buffett or something. I don't know. At that point, who really cares? You know, they're all just super successful. But I was introduced to him by Tony Robbins and Money Master the Game. And that's a great book, too. And so... Ray has this incredibly interesting perspective on how you can allow everyone to come to the table, even somebody brand new, and offer an opinion that he calls the believability quotient. So how believable is it? And someone who's brand new can have a better idea than he as the CEO who's been doing this for, I think, 40 years or something. So it really is interesting to think about, and he talks about it all from a factual standpoint. And maybe this is just me. Maybe this is just me. So I like to look to Ray for my factual aspect of it. And here's where I think you can insert factually assessing where someone is. And if you think about this, even if you're not a manager right now, think about your kids. Think about when someone else frustrates you. Think about when you're trying to explain what you're doing to someone and they don't get it. Because I find that when I have a snotty attitude, so Think if this ever comes to your brain. Oh my gosh, they don't even know how to X, Y, Z. 
I can become a better human instead of saying, oh my gosh, what is their problem? And so sometimes this will happen with one of my children who is not thrilled with another worksheet. (laughs) He's in elementary school and there's another worksheet. And so I get so frustrated when he misspells a word that's at the top of the page. And so I can get really frustrated with them being like, what is your problem? Oh, you're not trying. Okay, get all snotty about it. Or I can factually look at like, actually, why aren't you spelling that correctly? What is the process that you're going through that is leading you to misspell a word that's on the top of the page? And then I can actually become a better human by saying that and thinking that factually. So just check yourself when you feel frustrated. That is an emotion and that emotion is a message. And it can lead to a factual situation. And that can help you to be a better human and also be more effective in what you're doing. So if they're having trouble, if someone you're managing is having trouble with a task that you think is simple, then you can ask, why are they doing it that way? And you can ask that again. Another question to ask is, Do they have a psychological barrier or reason for why they don't want to do this or are not doing it correctly? And that actually, that question could be really annoying to you because the answer is going to be something like, why don't they just get over it? If your solution is get over it, the problem is they have a psychological barrier. Most of us are not aware of our psychological barrier, so they don't know why they can't figure that out, why they can't get over it. But if you just say, well, they should just not have that psychological barrier. But all of us do. If we're humans, we all have psychological barriers. It's just a matter of identifying why that psychological barrier is there. And it could also be a learning barrier. So if they just need a different piece of information, we can usually insert that. But the question is, is this a psychological barrier or is this an information barrier? And so, of course, by providing a different way of explaining it, we can identify an information barrier. And if it's not that, we can say, okay, this is a psychological barrier. So if they repeatedly make the same mistake or they have trouble with a task that you think is simple, think about psychological barriers and why that might be the case. I'm going to give you a really specific example. It is definitely from my son that misspells the words at the top of the page. It's also from when I was an intern and I was doing scheduling, which was really like not what I wanted to be doing, but I just really liked the job. And it was a very cool job to have in college. I worked for Arthur Anderson. My boss was super cool. But for both my son and I, we would rush to show how smart we were. Look at how fast I can do it. But then we would both make mistakes that we shouldn't have made. And so the way that I've been able to overcome it and the way that I'm sure my son will is like to acknowledge that if we want to go really fast, that's fine. But then we have to have kind of a double and triple check process. And so that psychological barrier is an intellectual and a confidence one. So we probably were trying to prove that we were smarter and then also prove that we were really good at this. Look at how fast we can do it. And it's really easy to sit back and say, well, that's not the best way to do it. Just slow down. Maybe you've even said that to your child, just slow down. Well, just slowing down when you have a psychological barrier of confidence in your intelligence, that is really tricky. So actually, instead of saying slow down, how about solving that by inserting confidence? And one of the things that I was able to do as an intern is my manager was amazing. She was only managing me and she eventually managed way more people because she was 
overqualified. And so she really was patient with me in how to do that process and how to get better at it. And I ended up liking the work, loving the company because of it. So I think that if you're able to identify that psychological barrier, so say it's an intelligence or confidence, a psychological barrier, confidence in your intelligence, how can you increase someone's confidence in their intelligence? That will actually help them slow down. So I hope that's a good example. But again, factually assessing where they are. Okay, he's misspelling a word that's at the top of the page. That's a fact. Which you could say like, you're misspelling the word. It's at the top of the page. Come on, you guys, you know you've done that. But you could also just say, now why is that happening? So how can we dive into that? And really being empathetic because none of us want a psychological barrier. <laughs> we don't want it. But we don't see the root. It's so hard to see the root of our own psychological barriers. And so we constantly behave the same way unless someone inserts something kind of jolting, right? So that's what we want and something that kind of changes our behavior. Humans are likely to stay consistent with who they've been until we change that. And the way we can change that as a manager is to ask a really poignant question or to insert confidence of intelligence, tell them how intelligent they are. And that this one specific thing is not a manifestation of it and give examples of how great they are at these other things. So let's look at the process that you're taking and solve it from a process standpoint. So going back to actionable steps, that was the first actionable step is to factually assess where they are. And the next one to be a manager as a teacher and really be that great leader is that once you factually assess where their entry level skills are, so the skills that they are entering, like wherever you are right now, that's your entry level skill. So the skills that they're entering the task with or the project, then consider multiple solutions and a couple different ways. I talked about psychological barriers. I talked about information barriers, but there are different approaches to this. And it could be, there are a couple different things here. You could find that one solution is better than another. So don't just do the same thing every time. Well, they made those mistakes. So here's what I'm going to do. Try to test two or three ideas that you have. Try to test two or three solutions. One might be more effective than the other. But not only that, try to test different solutions considering someone's personality profile or personality type. And it's not so important that you become a master at identifying people's personalities. Any personality indicator or type can be helpful to you. For example, if you're talking, if you're dealing with an extrovert, maybe you want to talk about it, but maybe not. If you're dealing with an introvert, maybe you want to write it down and let them have it. Those are just examples. Actually, I'm an extrovert and I hate learning through someone talking to me. I'd much rather, I'd rather do a project. I'd rather do something and I learn much better that way. So That would be something in my personality that if my manager knew that about me, they could tailor that solution to how I learn best and to my own, to my personality. But just getting good at any personality profiling, just one of them can be really helpful so that you can say this was effective with Beth, but it was less effective with Jane. And kind of testing your solutions across people don't necessarily think that one solution is better than the others. It might just be more effective for different people. So once you factually assess their skills, consider multiple solutions and then applying those across multiple different people. If you don't have enough iterations of this, maybe you don't have a big enough team, you don't have multiple projects or your team is small, consider a roundtable with other managers where you can kind of vet these different solutions. And 
Benjamin Franklin called this a mastermind. That's where the term comes from. I know there are masterminds are kind of all over the world now, but Ben Franklin used to get together with really smart people to kind of vet solutions. And you can go meet with other managers. It doesn't even have to be anything formal and vet these different solutions. Hey, I tried this one and it didn't work with my person, but would you be willing to try this with yours? I think it could work given a different scenario. And so that you're getting this kind of repository of good solutions that have worked for getting someone from the entry level skill to the next skill, whether that's they're making mistakes or they don't quite know how to do social media or their code is just not the level that you need or they keep forgetting where different things are found or you don't like their design solutions and they're too simplistic. Whatever the challenge is, getting them to the next level, trying a few different iterations and then talking to people who are doing the same thing can really help you to formulate what your go-to solutions will be or what your go-to solutions will be given a certain different type of personality. And that's where getting to know your people can be so helpful because you'll know how they respond really well to different tasks. Okay. And now the third one to be a great leader and a manager as a teacher is don't do the work for them. And this is another, I think this is maybe the one that inspired the manager as teacher title for the podcast. Your teacher never does the work for you. Nobody who, no valid teacher anyway. <laughs> you have to do your own work. You have to do your own work. That's one of the things. Do your homework in class. It would be bizarre for a teacher to do the work for you. But listen, I mean, this lady over here, as a manager, there are many times where I've done work for people to my own detriment. And so I'd say I'm still working on it. I've definitely improved, but not perfect. You know, I'll just do it. Okay. And that's very hard when you have your own company, right? It's everything's your baby. Everything is really important to you. So it's hard to let other people grow through that pain. But I think, number one, hiring really well. I've gotten so much better at hiring. That's been helpful to me. And then number two, allowing for the fact that hey, you know what? Those people are humans, and so they're not going to be perfect. And seeing enough iterations of the mistakes other people have made is also helpful. But I really try not to do the work. So really don't do the work for them. I have kind of a rule that if I'm going to do the work, I record it and do a training and then pass it off. And then once I've done that training, then I don't do it anymore. So it's a really specific, and I could do that in my business. Not everyone can do a screen record of, you know, the specific things. If you're doing software development, you're looking at more problem solving situations. So it's a little more ambiguous. There should be some line. And so for me, I say, okay, well, if you don't know how to do this, or I'm going to go ahead and do it, then I do it, I record it. And the next time you do it, once I have that recording, then there's no reason for me to do it again. So whatever your line is, I think that ensuring that you don't do the work. And let me tell you, it's not a good enough line. Well, I'm just going to do it this one time, but I'll never do it again. No. How are you ensuring that the next time it's done well? Or even can you do it in conjunction with that person, but really allowing them to grow into it? Can they do a piece of it? Allowing people to continually grow means that they have to be the people doing the work and you have to be giving the feedback. Consider if they're not doing the work correctly, it could be that you haven't laid it out well, you haven't explained it well. And that could be because it's too big for you. Maybe you have to break it up and you can only explain a piece of it. So I would say that don't do the work for them. And maybe that's number three. And one of the subcategories of that is break it up into smaller pieces if need be. All right. Because remember, teachers don't do the work. Even if it's painful, we do the work. And then number four for teacher as manager and actionable items is to Ask yourself 
this question. Remember, as a manager, we want to be thinking about our team and their growth. That's part of our work. And that's kind of like fun and exciting to do. But oftentimes because of that, we just put it aside. Oh, well, I'll get to that. No, it should be something that you're doing weekly. So ask yourself this question. How am I helping my team get better individually and collectively today? Maybe that's the way you start your day. How am I helping my team get better individually and collectively today? I mean, think about your favorite teacher. He helped you get better in ways you may not have even thought that you could, right? You want to help to stretch people, even if that means that you do less of the work that you desire, right? Even if you have to do less of the kind of fun work as the manager, it's your job to teach your team how that work can be done really well. So if you think of your team as an output machine instead of humans, then you're not really serving them as a great leader. It's not just how is the output in the last two weeks? How is the output in the last month? Well, look at my output. It's great. Well, yeah, but if everybody's miserable, they're going to quit. It's a long-term solution. So it really is about thinking about how you are serving them as a human, how you are helping them to grow individually. And how are you helping them to grow collectively as a team? Are they growing together or growing apart? Those are great things for you to allow your brain to spend time on. So I hope you found manager as teacher interesting. I think it's kind of a different way to think about it. It's definitely not the way that I've heard it talked about. But I think teaching offers us a lot of really leverageable skills. And if we want to be a great manager, that's how we can think about it. So quick announcement here. We are taking a vacation at UR Techie. So I'm trying to be a good example to you, my students. I always tell you, you can take breaks and you're still very committed and you can go on vacation and it feels like, what are we going to do? You know, when I come back, you know, am I going to lose time or going to lose progress? But we feel like we have really earned to take some time off of the podcast. So we are taking two weeks off. And I'm really excited about it. I'm so excited about the new content that we have after our break. We have tools to help you be a successful woman in tech. We have tools to help you be a supporter of women in tech. We have new content. We have new interviews that are so fun. And it's just going to be a really exciting time. And we are excited to take a break. I'm going to just take a minute here. When I say we, if you're like, yeah, who is that team helping you with the podcast? I'm just going to take a minute to thank my incredible team who helps put this podcast together. I think it is hard as you're listening. It's kind of hard to understand and appreciate everything that goes into editing this podcast, preparing it, putting it on, getting all the social media around it, getting all the descriptions, the assets, putting it on our platform, putting it on our website. It's just a huge effort. And the team that is doing this has been outstanding. They've just been outstanding. And I just want to thank Aaron, Sean, and Edgar so much for your work on the podcast and for getting us to over 10,000 downloads. Thank you, team. And thank you, listeners. Oh my gosh, you guys, it's so amazing to see how 
valuable people are finding this podcast and that it's so helpful. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you will take some time off yourselves and be back with us. We have plenty to binge on over the two weeks, so don't worry. And when we come back, we promise to have some great content for you that you are absolutely going to love. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies training and never ending support to get hired. Sign up at URTechie.com. That's Y O U A R E T E C H Y.com. I'll see you next time.